0: Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast which seems to talk about all sorts of different things, but one listener described it as the place where we talk about what everyone else is thinking, but maybe not saying out loud. I am your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. That's M U M S D A Y S.com. If you wouldn't mind subscribing and leaving a review, that would be amazing because it basically means more people can find the podcast. Um, and I also would really, really, really love to hear from you. So please, could you contact me through Instagram at mumsdays? Uh, you can message me anything really, but you know, your stories of life and heartbreak, or any thoughts you might have on the episode, or any questions you want answering. And as always, you can find the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After. It's me, Hannah Harvey. And this week, I have got the second part of my interview with Leanne Bennett. If you missed the first episode, which was last week, I recommend you go back and have a little listen.
1: But otherwise, please do enjoy. Enjoy. And I'm very much a person who doesn't live with regrets. You know, when it's done, it's done. You can't go back. But I really wanted to have like a positive behaviour during that. I wanted to be able to hold my head up high. And there were moments that I couldn't because hormones might have been involved or frustration, anger, whatever it might be. But overall, I feel like I can reflect on it and feel okay about the process
0: yeah but it's not easy no but five years on you feel like you're at a place where yeah you know georgie's happy you're obviously
1: communicating well yeah we're communicating well i think you know there's always going to be a bit of fallout from these things and but I've completely, you know, I've handed over those two businesses. I completely retrained in a different area. And I'm doing something that's really meaningful to me. So what are you doing, Alian? So I retrained as a psychological well-being practitioner. So it's, it's very much focused on cognitive behavioral therapy, okay, um, working with people who have anxiety, depression, all of that type of thing. And I, I started out actually in the Northeast Prison Service, which was amazing. I wow. absolutely loved it, but it was incredibly challenging. Um, and now I work within occupational health. So very, very different. But what I've realized... In, in help and provide therapy for people, is how important therapy is. Mm-hmm.
0: and it's huge for me during it, that
1: process. Yeah, and it is. And I always like to hear people's personal experiences of therapy because they're different for everybody. And what I would encourage people to do is think about You know, sometimes people don't always connect with the therapist. We, you know, we call it therapeutic relationship. And if you don't connect with your therapist, you're probably not going to get the best out of it. So I really encourage people to, you know, ask themselves the question, you know, do you feel like you've got that therapeutic relationship? And if you haven't, get a different therapist for a start. But it really enables you to think about... How you deal with things. But I think the biggest thing I've learned with people is that, you know, the thing I said about our experiences that we've had help us deal with our experiences now. Yeah. Once we can unpick why we do things in a certain way, or once we unpick how our experiences have led us to the point we're at now. I think that's that's the biggest eye opener for, for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that's been crucial for me. Being yes. like, oh, so that's yeah, why I do that.
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just fully understanding yourself. Yeah. And we don't spend time exploring that. And I think exploring that is that's the jigsaw puzzle. That's the missing bit. So once we can figure out the who, the why, the when, you know, all of that, all of our backstory, we can then figure out, okay, so I know why I reacted in a certain way. Now, what am I going to do about it? I know this is a trigger for me. So how do I manage that? Because I think our mental health plays such a pivotal role in our relationships as well. Yeah. So it's, you know, and often we are triggered by our partners or ex-partners. And future ones. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, even you know, I think mental health is a continual process as well. You know, just because we've had sort of like 12 sessions of CBT or we've had, you know, 12 sessions with a counsellor. Brings our awareness to things and gives us coping strategies. But there's always going to be challenges. Definitely. Definitely.
0: And it's it's trying to piece together the bigger thing for me was the fact that because this is another thing that we were talking about was um that project that I was talking to Katie about last week. Um so you interviewed what Katie said, and we both um were like, oh, we've got this project, everyone's got the project that isn't finishing and it won't finish. And I think part of my therapeutic journey was trying to work out why I hold my back self back so much. I'll say that again. Why I hold myself back so much.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and you picked up on that and I'll read what you said. Cause it was really interesting. You said, so my thing is a book that I've written. Like it's 40,000 word book. Like it didn't take Listen. me five minutes. I fucking oh my worked life. my ass off writing this bastard thing
1: this is crazy
0: and it's still just sitting it's literally sitting in a drawer that i can see here but yes you said what would be the consequence of finishing the book what would would that open you up to criticism would the dream you've been chasing no longer be a dream and then what would we do if we're constantly striving to achieve what happens when we do mm-hmm. I think that's so fascinating because it is it's somewhere between like oh it's a dream of mine to be an author I would love it but what happens if I'm then it's public like if I just self-published and then it's done then you're like
1: yeah and also you know like I don't know about you but a dream for me was to be married and be content and have a family yeah and that went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if, the we've had the, if we've had those experiences where we've had a dream, we've held that, we've got it on a pedestal,
0: then what? Yeah, that one didn't work out. So maybe I'll just chase the not dreams, but the, the in-betweeny things.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also about, you know, it's it's if we have something that we're striving for, and then we achieve it, we're then just going to strive for something else. And it's the I think sometimes the fear comes from constantly striving for something and either not being able to achieve it, so i.e., let's unpick the book let's say you go to a publisher and someone then says to you Hannah we love this but that's the same as someone saying Hannah I love you but But. (laughs) and none of us like the but and the but often means we have to change something yeah we're
0: gonna have to do a bit more work or do we have Would to change it? To our to our house?
1: House? Yeah. And that's frightening. And that's someone getting that light out and shining it on you. Do we want to expose ourselves to that? Mm. But also if we strive for something and we achieve it and it's brilliant, then what? Yeah. Can you ever repeat that? Yeah. Can I live up to that? yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so I think we hold ourselves to a lot of unwritten rules and assumptions because both of those options are pretty crap
0: so what's the middle ground where's the bit where we go to listen brain yeah it's gonna be okay either way yeah
1: absolutely and do you know what we don't know do we no and we don't have control over anything And that's the one thing I want people to realize is that, and I have this conversation with patients all the time, is I'll say, so, okay, you tell me what you have control over. And they'll list off things and I'll go, really? Really? Do you have control over that? And they'll go, oh, maybe not. And the only thing you have control over is yourself. Okay. And the choices you make and the Mm -hmm. way you approach things. So regardless to what, the consequence of finishing that book might be you might just want to do it anyway because it's something you want. So, think about why you're doing it and what would happen if you did finish it. And so, basically, we're, we're doing that whole challenge in a bit, a bit there. We're thinking, you know, what's the benefit? What's, you know, what's positive? What's negative about this? And I think sometimes we just have to take a leap of faith because we can't control the outcome irrespective, because we don't have control over it. Yeah. We don't have control over us. So if I finish this book and I submit it to a publisher, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, just gets ignored. Could do. Which to me is like the worst.
0: (laughs) that's one of my fears being completely ignored being boring
1: yeah Yeah. but 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 again that's something that you're holding yourself to yeah doesn't mean it's true and I think you know it's worth identifying what our core beliefs are and our views of ourselves are because they tend to be the thing that holds us back Whereas, actually, what we try to do is we'll say, Well, it's this holding me back, it's that holding me back, it's the other holding me back. It's just ourselves, really. So, it's worth really thinking about why I I want to do this thing. I'm not doing this thing. Why am I not doing this thing?
0: Well, mine 100% is because I don't think I'm good enough.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's what I mean. Everybody, it's so common, but that is a core belief that I've established in therapy was, I just don't think I'm good enough. Yeah. So I'd be like, I can't do this because I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. And then you end up not doing anything. Exactly. And then that's almost worse. Because
1: mm-hmm. then I'm sitting here going, why am I not doing that thing? I'm so lazy. I'm not good enough. I haven't done that thing. <laughs> Therefore, we just end up on this like roundabout where one thing just reinforces the other. So we need to think about how we break that type of cycle. Yeah. And once we can figure out just the baby step that gets you off that off that merry-go-round, then we can go, all oh, right, okay. So, you know, what small thing can I do that isn't gonna have a massive impact, but that might give me a bit of a positive feeling from it. Mm. So you don't have to submit the book. But maybe you could ask a friend to read it. Yeah. And then have a chat about it. You know, so you're exposing yourself in a way, but you're not fully exposing yourself. So it's like a little ladder.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll have a think and (laughs) decide later. Yeah.
1: It's difficult, though, I think, because I think fundamentally, Like you said, most people, and mine absolutely is that I'm not good enough. And so I have felt it's held me back. And it's it's tough, isn't it? But the way I keep coming back to it is, what would I want my daughter to do? Mm -hmm. And so I try and think about things in those terms because it's easier for me to do that. So, you know, I might be like, you know, if I'm talking to myself negatively or I'm putting myself down, I'll go, hold on. Would I talk like this to my daughter? Absolutely not. Would I want my daughter to talk to herself like that? Yeah. Absolutely not. So why am I doing it to myself? Mm -hmm. Because if if we recap, we, we, we said earlier, we need to model our behavior, don't we, for our kids? So I need to be positive about me because I want her to be positive about her. Yeah. I would want her to submit that book because I can guarantee it's bloody brilliant. You know? So it's really, and it's hard and it takes work. and
0: It is the little baby steps. Like, I feel like this podcast, restarting my blog, even just like posting an Instagram post at one point was just, I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't start posting on Instagram because I won't keep it up. And you've gotta be consistent. And I just disappeared and I'll start and then I'll disappear again. So even just a simple thing of being like, right, I'm gonna post an Instagram post today Mm -hmm. and whatever happens, it's gonna be okay. It doesn't have to be groundbreaking because you're like, oh my God, I'm re-emerging. It must be the best thing that's ever been written on the internet. It's like, just fucking post a picture with a hashtag and it's those little steps that have got me back and I'm pretty sure it's all related to that book like everything I'm doing is all a roundabout process to me finally doing something with that book yeah so we'll get there
1: yeah but it's about that it's about the language you use with yourself as well isn't it yeah it's about being more positive with it and really, really picking yourself up on, on the language that you use with yourself. Like, I, you know, I'll pick up on certain things that my patients will say and it's, you know, like I have to do this or I must do that. And, oh, they must be thinking this. And, you know, I'll say, what about if we just tweak that language? You know, what about rather than if I say most, let's change that to to maybe something not so fixed. Yeah. And so I think there's lots of little things that we can do that can improve our mental health, our self-care, you know. But it's about awareness. Mm -hmm. And it all starts with bringing everything to your awareness. Because then Mm -hmm. you go, right, okay, I'm aware of this. What am I going to do? Amazing. What am I going to do is the hardest bit. I know, right? It's all a work in progress.
0: Yeah, yeah. As long as you're doing something, I find it
1: leads you on to the next thing that takes you closer to what you're going to do. Absolutely. Whether it be a tiny incremental step, whether it be feeling like you can't wash the dishes and you wash the dishes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And I think a real, real key thing for me as well was, you know, we talked about working on friendships and Mm. relationships the one thing that I've been able to do and I don't know if you ever felt like this but when you're in a marriage that's the focus and it's hard to focus on friendships because you don't always have time and things like that and the one thing I've done since getting divorced is really invest the time and energy in friendships
0: 100%
1: and that has been my saving grace Mm -hmm.
0: Like, some of the girls around me have just been incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: without that, I think the journey's tougher, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ooh, well, to finish on, Leanne, how's the dating going
1: post-divorce? Christ. Well, it's... I think you've been sure we've got to finish. Yeah, God, I mean, that's like a whole segment in itself, isn't it? Um, do you know what? Overall, I, I, I'm I'm not in a relationship at present, but what I have done, and actually, I I, I definitely think this has been a good thing. So for, I've dated on and off for the five years, and I've really discovered what is important to me. Yeah. being a partner, I met my ex partner when I was 21. Mm. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea really of my values and I really believe your values have to align very much. So I've had some fun. I've had some tears, but overall I've really learned about myself. Mm -hmm. So regardless to whether it's been a bit shit and I'm still not maybe in a, you know, long-term committed relationship. Whatever that looks like when you whatever got that is, yeah, exactly. What I do have is my freedom and my sense of self. Yeah. And that's actually more important to me.
0: This is, I was literally having this conversation with the guy I'm dating at the moment, in that right. we're seeing each other at weekends, but um it's like only when I don't have the kids and I'm like, this is perfect. I don't want you to meet my kids. I don't want you to ever move in. (laughs) I want complete autonomy over my life. And I would like to go for dinner and the occasional
1: holiday with you. Do nice things. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The one thing I find difficult. So I I have my daughter 60% of the time and obviously work full time. And amongst that have to fit in housework and, you know, seeing friends and stuff. So trying to carve out that time. Is difficult mm. and then doing the whole dating process you sort of think oh god I've wasted my time going for dinner with somebody so don't go for dinner go for a dog walk because then you're killing two birds with one stone or go for a coffee so yeah. I've reduced I've reduced my time that I spend meeting meeting Um, But I think you quite quickly know now. That's what I'm just Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, Leanne, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, honestly, it's been a pleasure. And I honestly think what you have done as part of this podcast will have helped countless people. Oh, we will have. So I think, you know, you might not think you're good enough. But I think you should be incredibly proud of yourself of what you've done and turning your difficult experiences into experiences that other people can relate to and probably learn a lot from so I think you should pat yourself on the back
0: thanks Leanne (laughs) all right thank you so much for listening and have a great week and I'll see you next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me Hannah Harvey I would be very grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving a review or subscribing because this helps more people find this podcast. And of course, if you've got a friend who you think might enjoy this episode, please do recommend it to them as well. For anything else, your thoughts on the episode or any questions, please do get in touch with me through Instagram at Mumsdays or you can email me hannah at mumsdays.com. And I genuinely love hearing from you so please do get in touch bye